The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is good, everybody? Welcome to another SB Nation NFL show. Happy Thanksgiving Eve. I am Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation, alongside Kyle Posey from Niners Nation, Justice Mosqueda from Mackie Packing Company, and Steven Serto of Arrowhead Pride behind the glass. KP, Justice, how goes it on this Thanksgiving Eve? Not bad, man. Not bad at all. Been uh, been World Cupping. How about you, Justice? <laughs> Same. I, I woke up today. I got to see the end of the... Uh... The Japan game. Um, my Mexican team got a draw early on. Hoping we get that thing turned around. But outside of that, doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? It's cool to have to wake up and have like sports just going on. Sports that yes. like people actually care about. Like I-, I sometimes like when the NFL has an international game that starts early in the morning. Like I, I like it. Waking up to sports, I could get on board with this. Yeah, they should uh, They should make this year-round. We're pretty spoiled right now, so enjoy it while you can. We have a big, big show for you today. Sean King, former NFL quarterback and VEASAN primetime host, is going to join us to talk about some of what we saw this week. Plus, we're going to do our gauntlet as well. But before I get to that, mm-hmm. I want to remind you, the show is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. And as always, please subscribe, rate, review to everything that we are doing here on the SB Nation NFL show. If you leave a review, I promise we will read it on the show. All right, without further ado, let's get to Sean King, former Buccaneers quarterback, and now you see him on VEASAN Live primetime. Sean King is here. What's up, Sean? What's up? Man, uh, just sitting here wishing I was about 20 years younger. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you look around the National Football League, everybody's in the shotgun, they're running the zone read, they're throwing screens. I mean, what a time to be alive. You can't hit the quarterback. <laughs> it's not bad. And it's funny you say that because, and let's start in Philadelphia. When I watch Jalen Hurts, I kind of wonder, like, couldn't Sean King have been doing this exact same stuff? Man, stats, just think about my draft class. Uh, myself, uh, Donovan McNabb, Tim Couch, Dante Culpepper, Achilles Smith, Cave mm-hmm. McNown, Aaron Brooks. Think about that draft class coming into the league now with our skill sets and abilities. I mean, 
Hey, man, it's just like I said, it's a great time to be a quarterback right now. I mean, tremendous. Speaking of Jalen Hurts, I just saw a stat that he had 88% of the Eagles offensive yards this week against the Colts. Is that something that you think can continue? Can he bear that much responsibility? Well, here's what's interesting about what I've seen from the Eagles in the last three weeks. And I think it's the Texas game was the first game after the bye for them. So we're talking Texans, Commanders, Colts. Mm-hmm. The style of football they're currently playing on offense is only going to work if they don't fall behind. Because they struggled against the Texans, but the Texans didn't really get anything done on offense. So they were able to finally create a little separation and win. The commanders got a lead. They kept the ball away from Philly, which is, I think, why they made the additions on the defensive line with Sue uh, and Linval Joseph. And the Colts, the Colts just couldn't really put the nail in the coffin because they kind of were in a state of disarray themselves. So I think Philly's going to have to create more explosive plays if they want to go deep in the playoffs. Um, I do think sometimes Nick Sirianni is a little too conservative with some of his play calling. I don't think he allows Jamie Hurst to actually play quarterback enough. And uh, my final point on that is this, and this is kind of a broader big picture uh, fact. A running quarterback stats is more dangerous on called pass plays than he is on any called run play. And I think sometimes when you have a talent like a Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson, sometimes the play caller loses sight of that. Why do you say that? Because when all the other guys are eligible receivers and options, you have to account and cover those guys. Generally, in those situations, you only have four guys rushing the quarterback. Sometimes you blitz. There might be scenarios where you have a, a, a spy. But for the most part, everybody's dropping. They're looking to either play a receiver and man, or they got a zone to be responsible for. That's when the really explosive plays happen with that the quarterback. So I think they should call more of a game like Buffalo calls for Josh Allen. Kind of a pass-heavy game. He makes you pay uh, with his athleticism, but a lot of times it's not designed QB run stuff. Let's stay in the NFC East now. The Cowboys whooped the Minnesota Vikings. Absolutely dog-walked them. Does that say more about the Cowboys to you or the Vikings? I think it says that 2022 NFL is wide open. I mean, the Lions went into New York and obliterated the New York Giants. I mean, so I think I've always said this. A lot of times I say it before the season starts and people are talking about uh, schedule difficulty and and win totals. And I just said strength and schedule is hard because you just don't know from year to year. Like coming into this year, if you had Jets and Giants on your schedule, you would presume that was a win. Yep. Those teams are, I think, in second or a game or two outside of first in their divisions. You know, you would have thought that Green Bay would have been one of your more difficult contests. You know, they look like they're going to miss the playoffs. So, I mean, there's so much parity in the National Football League. It's why it's king, because all 32 fan bases feel like over one offseason, we can go from the outhouse to the penthouse. Okay, you mentioned the Jets, so let's go there. At one point, they basically had the same number of completions as punts against the Patriots. And after the game, they asked Zach Wilson, did you let the defense down? And he says, no. And a lot of Jets players are liking tweets critical of Zach Wilson. Do they now have a problem in that locker room? 
Well, I don't think they have a problem. I think this is a mistake from the beginning. You know, uh, I went on Jason McIntyre's show, I think that's CBS, uh, beginning of last year. And I said that Zach Wilson is going to be a bust, that they drafted someone that didn't consistently produce in college. The one year of success he had, BYU played a very favorable schedule. I think they played no power five opposition because of COVID. And they selected him based on that alone. And then you put him into a market like New York on an up-and-coming team with a bunch of, in my opinion, really talented players in other positions. I didn't think he has the mental makeup or capacity to excel in that kind of situation. So this doesn't surprise me. Um, I'll be interested in is, uh, and I hope I'm saying his name right, Coach, is it Salah or Salah? Salah. Salah. I'll be in. Yep. I'd be interested in how much actual power he has in who plays quarterback for the Jets in the world. Because to be honest, if they were to go to Joe Flacco, I think they're potentially a playoff team. If I'm Sauce Gardner or Quinnen Williams, we gave up, really, we gave up three points because the, the Patriots scored on a punt return. We did our job. And for that quarterback to specifically be asked, did you let the defense down? And for him to say no, and apparently be walking around the locker room, like it's not his fault. Like, yeah, we got an issue. It's I feel like it's going to be hard for Zach Wilson to walk into that locker room today, tomorrow and going forward. Well, he's a little tone deaf. He came from a real incubated environment in Provo, no offense to anybody. <laughs> at BYU, but that's not the normal college environment. You know, uh, the local media there is it, definitely not intrusive. Uh, you know, just is a different experience. You know, uh, when you look at some of the, the things that have happened with him away from the game of football since he became a New York Jet quarterback, I won't delve into those, but we know what they are. I could see a scenario where he's not surrounded by a lot of truth tellers. Like where he goes home and the people around him say, well, you know, uh, more don't want to be there. So that's why you're not successful throwing the ball because receivers ain't doing what they're supposed to do. You know, uh, you got an offensive lineman hurt early in the year. So, you know, they're not protecting. You know, Brees Hall's not there. So you're missing weapons. Like, I don't see him being in an environment where, you know, Zach, you're not very good right now. You're completely less, you know, and sometimes, you know, athletes need that. You're completely less than 60% of your passes. Uh, your touchdown to interception ratio is ridiculous. You're averaging under 200 games, 200 passing yards a game. Like, this is not sustainable from a success standpoint. And if I just and, – and here's where I'm down on him stats. I judge most quarterbacks by can you make layups. So, like, everybody can't play basketball, but a whole lot of people should be able to get in the layup line with nobody guarding you, dribble the ball twice, and, and put the ball in the basket. And he misses way too many layups. You know, throws or guys are open, the pocket is clean, and that's very alarming. Isn't it on the Jets coaches? Aren't they the ones that have to get him in that room and say, you're terrible right now? Well, that's where this modern 2022 NFL organization just don't know. You know, so many of these organizations, the head coach has varying responsibilities from team to team. You know, some guys are instructed, you're a defensive guy, you just deal with the defense. We'll hire offensive coordinator. We'll go out and hire an analytics guy to do game management so you don't have to decide if we're going for it on fourth down or, you know. So I don't know exactly the infrastructure there in New York with the Jets. Uh, I would presume just knowing the public representation that Selah gives off, he has control, um, but he might not. They might say, we're going to give Zach the whole year regardless, and we'll make a decision at the end of the year. 
which is unfair to the rest of those guys because the rest of those guys are playing winning football. If the Jets had won, they would have been in first place in the AFC East, even with as good as Miami has played this year and Buffalo, who they beat. It's just a wild situation that the offense could be that bad. And stats, they match up great with Miami. They're probably the only team that can match up with them in the secondary. And with the deficiencies Miami has on defense, the Jets legitimately, if they had just average quarterback play, you could make a, a case and argument that, I mean, that they can win the East. I mean, Buffalo looks vulnerable. Uh, as you mentioned, Miami's good on offense, but they match up well. And Miami's got issues on defense themselves. I feel like we're shortchanging Dallas a little bit because I do want to give them credit. Do you think that they're a legitimate threat in the NFC? Could they eventually overtake Philly in the NFC East? Well, it all revolves around Dak Prescott, you know, because of the defense that Dallas has, that's going to show up every week. You know, if they have a bad game, they're probably going to give up 26, 27. You know what I mean? So, I mean, if Dak can – and here's what's a fascinating thing about Dak that I just don't get. And, and I challenge everybody that's going to hear this and listen to this. Go pull up Dak Prescott, Mississippi State highlights. I mean, almost all of them are him being athletic and utilizing that athleticism to help Mississippi State be successful. Yet now when you watch the Cowboys play, it's like he's allergic to using that athleticism. And it could be such a big asset to what they have already on offense. So I think if that gets back to what really makes them special, like he can throw the ball, and he can make all the throws. But what makes him special is he's also athletic enough to create major issues for a defense. If he can get back to that, there's no reason that they can't uh, get to this year's Super Bowl. You can follow him on Twitter at Real Sean King. You could see him on Veasan Live Primetime, six to nine p.m. Eastern Time. Sean, thank you very much for hopping in. Hey, thanks, Nas. Great for having me, man. Go Niners! Yeah. Thanks again to Sean for sitting down with us. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll run the gauntlet and get to the bottom of the big question this week. Which team at their best is unbeatable? We'll do that when we come back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. As they win the gridiron gauntlet. Okay, Smarty, what's a gauntlet? Truly don't even know what a gauntlet is. The gauntlet has been laid. Back here on the SB Nation NFL show. All right, gentlemen, it is gauntlet time. If you are new to the show, we come up with a theme of the week. And we will pit those topics in the theme against each other until only one remains. This week, we asked the question, which team at their best 
cannot lose. We've combined, uh, we've huddled up, we've gone in the lab, we've got our candidates here. Uh, Kyle, I'll start with you. Which team at their best cannot lose, the Cincinnati Bengals or the Miami Dolphins? This is a good one because I feel like both of these teams, and this is assuming Jamar Chase is healthy, both these teams could drop 40 on you pretty easily, and they can score in bunches and they can score in a hurry. It helps to have playmakers. I'm going to go with the more creative offensive mind here, and that is Mike McDaniel. I think – How dare you? <laughs> I know. Right? How dare you insult Zach Taylor like that? <laughs> really going out on a limb there. But I just think that we've seen – like it's, it's tough to get out of your mind, and I know it was forever ago, what the Dolphins were, ever, were able to do and come back against Baltimore like that. And they've been able to sustain drives. They've been able to score in like five play drives. They've been able to have 12 play drives, but their speed, I feel like, would give anybody problems. Whereas against the Bengals, as we saw, Kenny Pickett could score on them with relative ease. And I'm not saying the Dolphins have this lockdown defense, but adding Bradley Chubb has really helped them. It's, it's helped them be able to get stops, you know, because if they do have a team, if they do have a lead, they have Jalen Phillips on one side, they have Chubb on the other, and they have a matchup cornerback in Xavier Howard. And he is going to make plays on the ball. I'm not saying that he's a lockdown. I'm saying he's a matchup cornerback. But you can't make those same arguments for the Bengals. And I just feel like there are enough blips in the offense for the Bengals where um, I just feel more comfortable with Mike McDaniels driving my car than I would uh, Zach. So for me – it's close, and I do think the Bengals are a lot better than people realize, but I'm going to go Miami here. Justice. What do you think? I'm on the same side as you. I just want to say one thing about the Bengals, though. Lou Anarumo is probably the most underrated defensive coordinator in the NFL right now. Um, what he's been able to do and kind of consistently produce with this Bengals team is pretty good. He was a guy who came in – in 2019 got hired you know when when Zach Taylor took over before then he didn't have that much experience in the NFL so from 2012 to 2018 he had spent time as a defensive backs coach with the Dolphins and the Giants before then he was a DB's coach for Purdue for for you know a decade so he he's a older guy 56 years old he's not a sexy name he's not going to be a guy whose name gets thrown out there for you know, NFL head coaching jobs or anything anytime soon, I don't think. But he's a guy who definitely has been a slam dunk hire for them, in my opinion. It was a guy who came in and didn't necessarily have, have like, the bona fides when, you know, he, he was promoted to defensive coordinator. And he makes the most out of what he has with Cincy. It's not like Cincy is stacked on defense. Right. I think they do a really good job, actually, of, you know, disguising what they want to do. Some would argue too much, um, but – there are times where you could see them beating anybody um, in the AFC. So listing Cincy here, like they deserve to be listed amongst um, just the other contenders that we have. Congratulations, Cincinnati. You're good enough to get on the list, but not good enough to advance <laughs> past the first round. All right, Justice. So the Miami Dolphins move on. Which team at their best cannot lose, Miami or the Baltimore Ravens? All right, here is where... I know KP is going to go different from me already. I'm going to go with Miami. We've already seen this game before, right? I mean, we, we saw the Baltimore Ravens secondary just kind of completely break down early in the season. Um, they have been playing better since then. But you look at Baltimore and consistently it's just like this team should be better, right? Like you look at the backfield, they're never healthy. 
the tackle situation with Ronnie Stanley's been weird at wide receiver. They've had issues for what going on years now. Seems like they want to run their offense through two tight ends. Um, you know, when Lamar Jackson is just playing, you know, hero ball and being the entire offense for themselves. I understand that defense, like on an individual level, they, they can play well, but they haven't really cohesively played together as a team and, and met up to those expectations this year. Miami, even though that defense is terrible, right? Look at all the metrics. I'm not saying otherwise. Like Miami's defense is not good. But I think that they're just able to spam those plays in that intermediate range and they're a year ahead of everyone else that I, I'm, I'm buying more into this Dolphins team each week, even though I don't think Tua is a hashtag franchise quarterback, whatever that even means. Like he's doing well enough that they can win ball games. He's, he's doing exactly what they're, they're asking him to do. I think they could, they could upset some teams in the playoffs. They're, they're a real team that I would be worried about if I'm any team in the league, other than, you know, if I have, you know, Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen at quarterback. I'm not going to disagree, actually. And what? Wow. The so, Lamar stand says enough is enough. There is no bigger Lamar stand on the planet than me. When you watch Baltimore, it's Lamar and nobody else. When you watch their offense, Last week against the Carolina Panthers, it took them until midway through the third quarter, mostly into the fourth quarter, to get any semblance of offense going. And I know that they didn't have, you know, Rashad Bateman. I know that they are banged up, but still, they are so unimaginative on offense. Whereas you look at Miami, you don't know what you do know what's coming, but you still can't stop it. The same thing cannot be said with Baltimore. Like, you know what they're going to do for whatever reason. Well, Greg Roman. Um, he <laughs> refuses to just run Lamar. That's all they have. We talk about, I feel like we talk about this every week. You don't have anything else. Just run Lamar. They are so good at running the ball. And he just, I think he just waits way too long. And then when it comes to like their passing game, I, you can call out what they're going to do on specific downs. And so if I know what's coming, if the person next to me knows what's coming, the defense probably knows what's coming too. And they're probably going to get healthier down the stretch, and that's going to be big for them as far as the pass rush goes. And they're not bad at stopping the pass, but I just think when it comes to a playoff game, they're going to need to score 23-ish points, and I don't trust them to do that. Whereas Miami, they're going to score 23 no matter what defense they're against. There is too much speed, too much talent. And for all the talk about Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle is as impressive as it gets as a wide receiver. So when you think of Waddle, you think a guy that runs a 4-2, but as a wide receiver, the things that he's able to do, how he gets open, how he runs routes, like he is a legitimate number one in my book. So they have those two threats. They can get open with Gusecki. And then obviously the speed that they have with Raheem Mostert in the backfield. And Jeff Wilson looks like a legitimate running back too. So add all that up with two pass rushers, Xavier Howard, and then Mike McDaniel as your play caller. It's tough to bet against Miami knowing that like, if, if it's Miami against Baltimore and ignore the last game, I, I feel like if they were to play again next week, Miami's probably going to be favored, right? Yeah, I, I think would they agree. have to be. Yeah. I mean, this is a this is a team that, you know, now you, you look at kind of like how the playoff race is, is looking. It's like they're going to force the Bills to be a five seed. Oof, probably so the, the way it stands game. right now, like it's going to be a tight race, but you know, they have the edge as of now. 
full disclosure, the Ravens were my sort of pick to be on this list because in my head, I just, when Lamar is playing as good as he can play, I feel like he's unstoppable. Like, even if you're right there and you think that you got him dead to rights, you're in position, everything is great, you still have to tackle him. And, like, it's just incredible to me that you could have a guy with this much talent that, like you guys have been saying, can struggle at times to get the team over the top. Yeah, there's just so much on his plate, man. And you you tie into – you add – everything that he has to do for the offense and the limitations that they have and the route, like, again, what they do on offense just doesn't make much sense at all. So like, it's tough to bet on them being successful in a playoff setting. And I just don't feel that way when I watch Miami. All right, we move on. Which team at their best cannot lose KP, the Miami dolphins or the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I, if those two teams were to play, I, I imagine Philly would run all over Miami. So I, I would go Philly just because we've seen some – I mean, Philly can't stop the run. That's not surprising anybody. They went out and signed two 30, mid-30-year-old defensive tackles who haven't played all season for a reason because they need somebody to take uh, – to fill in for Jordan Davis. But even aside from that, like we're starting to see um, Jalen Hurts kind of come back down to earth. But still, I think, again, they, they have – the weapons they have an identity which matters and they're good in the trenches like they have a really freaking good offensive line they have a really good defensive line even without jordan davis playing so i think they'd be able to control both both of the line of scrimmage and in the playoffs that's what matters that's how you get off the field knowing that they can run the ball knowing that they have a guy in aj brown somebody in devonta smith who can win those one-on-one matchups I feel pretty comfortable with Philly. I, I think Philly is still really good despite what we've seen from the past couple of weeks. They were able to win a close one. Like that's even if you are on the road, even if it is the fighting Jeff Saturdays, I still feel like you get some credit for winning on the road in the NFL. So they were able to do that last week. And um, I, I think the Eagles are still the top seed in the NFC for now. Yeah, best record in football, best offensive line, I think. Two cornerbacks. They got eight real contributors on the defensive line. That That's an impressive football team. It's going to be hard to beat them down the stretch. I know, you know, Dallas probably still has hopes that, that they can, you know, um, unseat them as, as the leader in the NFC East. Um, that's going to be a huge deal because, I mean, realistically, like the two best teams in the NFC, I mean, maybe the Niners, but the two best teams in the NFC might be in the NFC East. So winning that division is going to be super important. I have to go Philadelphia here. I mean, their only real weakness, right, with all the additions that they've added, you know, either through the draft or, you know, these trades or through free agency, it's really just the linebackers, right, um, outside of, you know, kind of like the age of, of these defensive tackles and stuff and, like, how many snaps can they play consistently. I think it's just the linebackers. And if you can't take advantage of that and that in isolation while blocking up those pass rushers and avoiding throwing interceptions to their DBs, um, it's pretty t- difficult to beat this team on paper. Well, well, let me ask about that. Cause like they traded for Robert Quinn and we were all like, Oh my God, what a great move by the Eagles!" And like, he hasn't really played that much. Like, has he really contributed in a meaningful way? Because sometimes I feel like we have these teams that are good, and then they make an addition, and we're like, oh, great move. This is going to be awesome. And we don't really actually, like, examine whether or not the person that they're adding is helping in a meaningful way. 
I think I they just, added Robert Quinn for January and not November. Yeah, that fair. I was gonna say that plus the fact that like they just keep adding dudes, man. Yeah, right. They just like it's every week. It's just like, oh yeah, Sue is coming. It's like, what the <laughs> heck? How's this? Like, it wouldn't surprise me. It's like OBJ just decides, like, oh yeah, I'm joining the Eagles, and it's like, how do they keep getting away with this? How do they think, keep getting away with it? Uh, to add on to the Eagles, I think their advantage with Jalen Hurts in the red zone is unlike yeah. any other. Like, he is such a threat to run in the red well, zone and, and short yardage too. Yeah, like tight those high end walking into his back. Yeah, man, it's it, that's going to be very difficult to stop. All right, well, let's go there. We'll stay in the NFC East. Uh, Justice, I think it was your turn. Uh, so Eagles at their best or Cowboys at their best? Okay, so I had this conversation with RJ Ochoa um, before the Packers-Cowboys game. And this a very is kind biased of, person, by the way. A, a biased person, <laughs> clearly, right? But he brought up a good point, and it was, who's the better quarterback out of the two? Let's go around. What do you guys think? I would Jay say back. Jack's better. Yep. Okay. That's not a knock on Jalen, by the way. Agree. Wh- which which defense is better? The Eagles or the Cowboys? That is not an easy question. I, I think Dallas is a lot better than people realize. Um, oh, man. But that's the point, right? So if they got the quarterback and they got the defense, why would we pick, be picking against them? I mean, right. I understand the offensive line. I understand – the wide receiver differences, right? Cowboys fans love to complain mm-hmm. about only having CD Lamb. I'd love to have CD Lamb, in <laughs> right. but <laughs> but if if you have the quarterback and you have the defense, that's a fairly decent advantage. I I think I'm gonna pick Dallas here just to see what KP says. <laughs> but I think I I think it's a, a close one. I mean, you got to throw the Cooper Rush game out, right? I don't think sure, anyone's sure. projecting that moving forward. I'm excited to see this game, you know, the next time it comes up. Um, one team can stop the run, the other team can't. And what does it take to win a playoff game? It You have to be able to stop the run. And I'm not sure that in January, in the fourth quarter, when they're tired, Philly would be able to get off the field against Tony Pollard and Zeke. And then knowing that they'd be able to drop back with Dak still, knowing that if Dallas had a lead, you have Micah Parsons. So if we're talking about impact players, it's Micah Parsons. And who are you going to put up against them on the Eagles, on their defense? I know we just talked about Robert Quinn, but he's not on that same level. Um, there was a lot of talk heading into the season about uh, Trevon Diggs. He's actually much better than he was yeah, last he's, year. He's a lot better, even though he doesn't have the interception numbers, which is what not, everyone not, cares about. Right. Um, just, I just from a coverage in the, standpoint. In the back of my head. I just keep thinking of that Eagles Tampa Bay playoff game. Mm. And I'm like, if you have complete teams going against each other and it comes down to quarterbacks, I understand Jalen Hurts has the numbers. I mean, Tua has the numbers right now, too, right? The numbers are the are whatever. If you want to win the September, October, November equivalent of an MVP award, so be it. I'm talking about, you know, going on a playoff run and winning a Super Bowl. Is Jalen Hurts good enough to win that quarterback battle? I'm still not 100% sold on that. So you're both going Cowboys, and I understand that. But can I just throw something in? And again, maybe it's recency bias. But the Cowboys, if they've done one thing consistently over the past 10 years, it's let us down in the playoffs. It's true. And, And 
I just keep thinking of the details and like the end of that Niners playoff game. Cowboys are trying to come back. Now, granted, it would have been not a, quite a Hail Mary, but it would have been a long pass to try and win the game. But Dak runs and nobody on the team knows to hand the ball to the official with the clock running in that scenario. And Dak and everybody said after the game, we practice it all the time, just proving that they've been practicing practicing it wrong all the time. The Cowboys blow it in the playoffs. There's a reason they haven't made an NFC championship game since 1995. Does that come into your decision-making at all? Apparently not. Well, there's going to be a decisive coaching advantage, you know, when Dallas is in the playoffs. But the way that their defensive coordinator has coached this year, I feel like he deserves a ton of credit. Um, It's going to come down to their Jimmys and Joes, essentially. So Michael Parsons had a sack fumble on, like, the first drive of the game, man. Mm -hmm. He is a terrorizer. And then they have another guy on the other side. And we mentioned Trevon Diggs. They have speed, which matters in the NFL on defense. So – I think they'd be able to overcome some of those coaching deficiencies. And then, of course, like it, it's really about Dak taking care of the ball. And I know people are pointing at, you know, the little interception streak he had the past couple of games. I mean, if you just watch some of their receivers and some of like how the plays played itself out, like you, you realize that's not sustainable. Like he's not going to make those throws because he's going to be on the same page as his receivers. So I'm not I'm really not too worried about it. And, I would trust him more so than I would trust Jalen in this situation. And to be fair to the Eagles, like to be fair to Jalen too, he has AJ Brown, he has Devonta Smith, and those two are really freaking yeah. good in their own right. Okay. Dallas Cowboys move on. KP, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll start with you this time. Which team at their best cannot lose? The Dallas Cowboys or our San Francisco 49ers? So we were talking about the Eagles linebackers. And as soon as you said that, if there was somebody to take advantage of the Eagles linebackers or the Cowboys linebackers or any linebacker group in the NFL, it would be Kyle Shanahan. It would be an offense that is literally designed to eat you up over the middle of the field. I feel like what we saw against the Cardinals was exactly what the 49ers are going to look like moving forward over the next month and a half. They're going to spread you out. They're going to put Debo on one side. They're going to put Christian McCaffrey on the other. And they're going to say, pick your poison. And more than likely, you are going to lose that battle. So they have the weapons. Their their offensive line probably doesn't get enough credit for how well that they blocked. And getting rid of the ball quickly helps. But I think it goes back to the defense side of the ball. You cannot run the ball on them, man. So they can make you one-dimensional. They have a very good pass rush. And they're, I mean, their cornerbacks are going to be tested. There's no doubt about it. But it's much easier to stop an opposing team when you can make them one-dimensional. So if you know the pass is coming, you can kind of scheme for those things. So like, I have a tough time picking against the 49ers in this situation, knowing that they have the horses to, to run with essentially anybody. And they're not going to score 38 points as they did against the Cardinals every time. But I... <laughs> I've, I've seen what Kyle Shanahan did to the Cowboys last year or whatever year it was, and I, I can't get that out of my mind. And knowing that they're only going to get more efficient and more effective the more games McCaffrey's on the team, um, I, I think they're a lot better than um, – I, I know they just were on primetime TV, but I think that they're a lot better than people realize. Of course it's hard for you to pick against the 49ers. <laughs> of as, as I'm wearing a 49ers hoodie. Of course it is. Um Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. throws interceptions mm-hmm. when you play cover one. The Dallas Cowboys against the Packers. Sure. 
played the most, the highest percentage of cover one snaps in any game since next gen stats started tracking it in 2018. Um, you know, the Packers, obviously they got the three touchdowns to Christian Watson with speed. Um, if not for those explosive plays though, I don't, I don't think they end up doing it. Right. So if Dallas is just sitting back there and cover one and they're playing the Niners like that, and they're comfortable playing them like that, that goes straight into Jimmy's weakness. And I guess that's the big thing that kind of worries me. But did they do that in the playoffs last year? I don't know. I didn't. I, I can't remember. <laughs> I didn't break down that film. So my my pushback to that would be like that's exactly what Vance Joseph and the Cardinals just tried to do. So the counter to that would be they well, the, Arizona, the Arizona Cardinals oh, are playing defense. I knew he was going to do that. I knew he was gonna do that. <laughs> of course, I'm going to do that. You see what's going on in Arizona? They're getting coaches fired after trips to Mexico. They're a mess, KP. It's totally different. So, <laughs> what I was trying to say. You have – so he's going to line up three guys into the boundary, and now you have to address that, right, In May, especially in man coverage. By doing that, you have – and this is like the only play I tweeted out. You have one guy, Ayuk, and that's probably going to be Diggs, and then you're going to have your third or fourth guy covering Debo in the slot, and he's going to run a choice route. So that's your man coverage. And by putting those three guys into the boundary – you eliminate that underneath guy, that lurker, that guy who's been kicking Jimmy's ass for the last three years. So I think Shanahan scheming around that weakness and essentially just betting on his guy winning one-on-one in man is kind of prepping him for what he's about to see. So I don't disagree with that. Like man coverage has been a struggle and probably adding McCaffrey will only make them just more dangerous because you have this guy, that guy, this guy. So Kittle, we haven't even talked about him and like the, they do present a lot of problems when it comes to man coverage. So uh, you so hope just, that Jimmy doesn't revert back. Are you going Justice Cowboys? I'm I'm going Cowboys, but I want two things real quick. One, Ayuk, if you haven't seen him this year, just playing out of his mind. He's impossible to stop on these inside breakers. He might be one of the best guys on these inside breakers in the entire league. And then two, what's up with Debo? Where's his production this year? Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> about that yeah i want well, that's frustrating too because i feel like the niners just play that off as well we've got a lot of mouths to feed it's like mm, no if this guy was really kicking ass you'd find a way to get it's a really ball. expensive mouth right <laughs> i mean i wonder if they are having big regrets of giving him that contract think about what he did last year think about how he was making those plays last year like he was breaking 60 50 70 like, was that really sustainable? Well, the other Probably thing, not. too, is, like, maybe they're keeping him fresh for the play. I mean, it's it's so hard to tell when you have McCaffrey back there, too. But He dude, did have he, a 40-yard touchdown run on Monday. He, did, he right. was running so hard in those playoff games last year. And it's just hard for me to forget that. But at the same time, you look at the numbers this year, and you're like, it's the production isn't matching up. I so honestly think and they have so many good players, and they are – like if you're coming out the totem pole, I don't think Debo is like as good as McCaffrey, as good as Ayuk. And I mean, you can make the argument for Kittle, but I think it's just Shanahan realizing who is winning more and feeding those guys the ball. And I don't really blame him for that. And you pay Debo. So naturally you're going to think, why would you do that? You gave him this much money, but I mean, it's just giving the ball to your best players and that's what he's doing. 
There's also a reason that contract was only three years. I don't think that was an accident by the 49ers. So, uh, He's not going to hit those incentives either. Uh-huh. We're going to need the services of one Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. This is our first difference of opinion. You are the tiebreaker, Steven. So at their best, which team cannot lose, the Cowboys or the Niners? I really like both of these teams. I uh, really like everything that they are doing right now. And... Man, when it comes down to it, I think, yes, Jimmy Garoppolo is the biggest question mark. And yeah, the secondary for the 49ers is an issue right now. But I think that defense can go toe to toe with anybody. That pass rush can give anybody problems. And the weapons on the offensive side of the ball are just so overwhelming. And it's also... Mike McCarthy versus Kyle Shanahan. And we've seen the 49ers do this thing where they Kyle Shanahan famously clutch it's that, but like they just, they struggle early on in the season and then they find success down the stretch and get into the playoffs. And then they are a handful for anybody in the postseason, and they can put together these runs. I just feel more confident in the 49ers and their talent and, and the, the overall roster talent. So I think I'm going to have to go with San Francisco right now. I, I just like the way that they're doing everything. And you guys mentioned it. Debo's not even heavily involved right now. J- they just are starting to get George Kittle heavily involved in the offense. And now Christian McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk is playing out of his mind. I, I just think the Niners talent can be totally overwhelming when everything is clicking for them. By the way, let's not pretend like Mike McCarthy's playoff record is sparkling. <laughs> okay. Talk He's got about a ring. A- yeah, he's got a ring. He's got Aaron Rodgers. Give Aaron Rodgers to Kyle Shanahan. Let's see what happens. Now he has a ring. Look at listen to this guy, man. Give give Aaron Rodgers to Kyle Shanahan for all right. So the nine, picks. <laughs> Niners move on. Justice at their best. Which team can't lose? The Niners or the Bills? I still can't shake how dominant the Bills were early in the season. And I know, you know, since the bye, they haven't looked that great. That Packers game was closer. Um, then maybe the score suggests they lost back to back to the Jets and Vikings, or yeah, the Jets and Vikings, and then they had the one score win against the Browns. But there's three losses this year. It's two points to Miami, three points to the Jets in that weird game at the end, and then um, an over an overtime loss to the Minnesota Vikings. That I mean, they completely blew that one, right? If anyone watched that, they're they're backed up all. On on into their own end zone and and they messed that one up. So I don't know. I I still believe the Bills, especially if they're healthy. I know San Francisco has the same issues, right? Where it's like if if you get them healthy, they're a different team than you know what they were during certain stretches of the year. I just think like the Josh Allen factor is is too much to overlook. Like that guy is an alien. He's hard to tackle. I understand even if you have the pass rush, he could break the pocket and stuff like that. So. I lean Buffalo here, but I'd be interested in seeing what KP says. I mean, I Buffalo still has the best roster in the NFL. Mm, Buffalo, you can make a strong argument that their defense is better than San Francisco. And San Francisco has a really freaking good defense. If anything, like for all of the Josh Allen talk, their defense has kept him in a lot of these games um, in the past few weeks while he's making these boneheaded decisions. So if you assume that those are going to stop and those won't be an issue in December – in January, then your answer is the Bills. I don't know that that is the case, but we're talking about at their best. So we've seen Buffalo at their best. If 
night was the 49 best. It was probably the Bills. And I don't think it was as best. I think we're going to see a better version of them. But you can't project that. So I think the answer has to be the Bills knowing that like, Donna's a mutant and he thinks that no other than 15 there at stadium can do. So I think the talent is, is, um, is pretty tough. This is, again, me answering with Trey White healthy, um, with all of their secondary healthy, right. with like Vaughn Miller on the field. And I mean, their offense, when, they, when their offense clicks, like they make it easy. If you, if you just watch what they were able to do, and I know the Browns are not a good defense. Nobody's arguing that, but they, they started slow. And you're like, it, you seem like if you're watching the game, it was like, are they like, what's going on here? And they just rattle off points. They just rattle off touchdowns and they make it look so easy, so effortless. And all that is due to the quarterback. So with that in mind, I'm, I think the answer has to be the Bills here. Like they are, they can be very, very good. And they've proven that they can be very, very good. And they've done that in for stretches in multiple games. So my answer is the Bills. That makes sense to me. The only thing I'll say is. Let's hear the butt. We have seen the Bills at their best lose in the playoffs. I mean, the the game they played against the Kansas City Chiefs, unbelievable last year. So they move on. Let, let's go right there, KP. At their best, Bills, Chiefs, who you got? Yeah, the when they played earlier this season, both those teams did not play their best in the first half. We kind of started to see the glimpses of what those teams could become in the second half. But, I mean, I'm – it's Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, <laughs> what's what's the difference here? Uh, again, the Bills have the better roster. The Bills are very good everywhere, but they can't. They're not going to be able to stop Patrick Mahomes. I think it all it comes down to that. When the Chiefs are humming, they're getting pressure and they're forcing you to get the ball out of their hands. Their linebackers are starting to play better. It only took a year and a half, but they're starting to figure it out um, under Spags. I think that having, again, having a healthy secondary, having a guy like Justin Reed back there in the playoffs will go a long way for them. Again, it's like, this is his first year with the Chiefs. I think his biggest impact will come when they need him the most just because he has experience. He's smart. He knows how to play the position. But I think their secondary is a lot better than – will be a lot better. And I think if we're just projecting the best version of them on offense, like the Chiefs – they're not really missing a beat, man. So having Isaiah Pacheco, that is going to go make their running game go a long way. We're seeing that he's able he's able to actually break off runs longer than four yards, other than their, <laughs> their first round pick. So that's a big positive. I want it, I, I hope that Kadarius Tony stays healthy because I mean they can throw him a screen and he can break it for 20 yards. So if you just break the Chiefs down in that sense, knowing that. Mahomes and Kelsey are going to get theirs no matter what. Having other guys underneath like Juju and then Sky Moore, if he continues to, to progress, they're going to be a tough out for anybody. So, I mean, it's it's easy to pick the Chiefs every time, but I, it's Mahomes. So, yes. It is easy to pick the Chiefs. And I'm, I'm going to do it. Yeah, it's Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. That's, what, that's it. That's really it. I mean, you look at Buffalo. I think they clearly have a better defense than, than the Chiefs, in my opinion. Um, I really worry about the the pass the stopping the pass with the Chiefs, but 
it hardly even gets noticed. I mean, how many people? It's, it's you, so ridiculous. Patrick Mahomes just puts up numbers consistently. I mean, this guy's he's the best quarterback talent maybe we're ever going to see in, in the NFL, right? I mean, he's at the point where it's like he surpassed Aaron Rodgers in that already, and he has a ring. I, I was talking to um, one of our buddies, Eric Stoner, KP, earlier this week, and he's like, the Mahomes career arc is going to be so boring because he's already proven all the things that you usually have to prove when you're a 27-year-old quarterback. And now at this point, it's just like, can he get enough rings to like get in the conversation with Brady? I mean, that's really where we're at with Mahomes. I, I think he's the MVP for this year. He'd get my vote. Um, I don't know if their numbers, if his numbers necessarily match up with like what two is doing or what Jalen Hurts is doing and stuff like that. If you look at like total offensive yardage, but I think Mahomes is due for an MVP and it feels like he's due for a title run. So the the dumbest thing about sports is that we have to wait to crown somebody, which it after seven starts, you could tell that Mahomes is probably going to be the best quarterback we've ever seen. Dude, we, the preseason game with uh, Denver, the as no, a rookie. No, I'm I was saying his very the, first start, second like, year. What does this do? Like, who is this guy? How is he making these throws? And sure enough, we have to wait the next year. But what, were, what was your point about the preseason? The preseason game against Atlanta, where he throws like the 80 yard bomb oh, to yeah. Tyreek Hill. <laughs> You know, his second year, and you're like, oh, my Uh-oh. God, he's going to do that thing. He's he's just going to play NFL I thought, football. I like think that might college. be a little early. to cry. I mean, Trey Lance threw a long touchdown to Danny Gray. Nobody was crowning him. Yeah, like, was it an 80-yarder? I don't know. 76. He, well, uh, I don't remember that play. I remember <laughs> like, the Mahomes-Tyreek Hill play. He's a, he's a very special talent, and you could see very early that Mahomes was going to be unlike anything we've seen. And it's I, I don't like that about sports that we have to wait. And there, that's true for a couple other players. But, I mean, Mahomes probably takes the cake there. So, the Chiefs, I feel like we, we both agree there. Well, Steven Serta, let's get your opinion on this. Nobody yeah, watches the Chiefs. I'm sure he'll disagree. Closer than you. I mean, it's hard, Buffalo, it's hard to go against the Chiefs. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I've gone back and forth uh, with this really kind of all of this regular season because coming into the year, I was like Buffalo is the best team in the NFL, best roster. Like they are set up to give the Chiefs all kinds of problems. And like, let's say the Chiefs do get the number one overall seed in the AFC playoffs and you have to go through Arrowhead to get to a Super Bowl in the AFC well, that's really hasn't been that big of a problem for Josh Allen. Like Josh Allen has had monster games in Kansas City. It's just that divisional game last season came down to an absurd 13 seconds and the Chiefs <laughs> tied it and forced overtime and got the ball. And they were so upset with the way that that game ended because it was so incredible that they were like, let's change the playoff overtime rules finally. <laughs> and But at the end of the day and acknowledging that I, when Buffalo is healthy and and that secondary is totally healthy and Josh Allen isn't making the mistakes that he's been making lately, like uh, I still think they are the most talented team. But yeah, everything that you guys said about Patrick Mahomes, like it doesn't matter. And this was a conversation I had a lot last season where I was still putting Aaron Rodgers slightly ahead of Patrick Mahomes and part- partially because the Chiefs offensively did have like a midseason struggle last year where they weren't putting up points the same way that they normally do. And it was really the worst stretch of his career 
where Patrick Mahomes was like, I can't make these plays downfield anymore. Like what's going on? That's what I do. And it took him a half a season to really adjust (laughs) to it. And now this season he's playing at the Aaron Rodgers back-to-back MVP level of efficiency Mm -hmm. where it's like, I can still throw it 60 yards down the field, but I can also just pick you apart methodically because I see everything that you're trying to do before you even have a chance to react to what I'm doing. And I don't understand how you stop that. I don't understand how you stop the level of play that he is at right now. So it's not just because I work for Arrowhead Pride. It's because (laughs) I think he's just genuinely the best player in the world and nobody else is close to him right now. So do you worry about the other side of the ball? Will that come back to bite them in the butt in the playoffs when it matters most? Or are they going to put so much pressure on as an offense on you, knowing you have to score, that it won't really matter? I think the biggest red flag for them defensively is they have so many rookie players at cornerback. I mean, they're starting three rookie corners right now. And and Legereus Sneed is having the best season of his NFL career. Like, he's been fantastic this year. So I also think that Steve Spagnuolo is having his best season as the Chiefs defensive coordinator. Like, he, for years here in Kansas City, I don't want to play rookies. I I don't care about getting them on the field and developing them. I'd rather roll with Anthony Hitchens in my starting defensive lineup for several years. And this season he didn't have a choice. And I actually think it's been his most creative as as a defensive coordinator here in Kansas city. Like I actually think it did really good things for him. And Chris Jones is playing the best he's ever played in his entire NFL career. Like, I think it's Micah Parsons, Matthew Judon, and Chris Jones are the guys in defensive player of the year conversation right now. And if you get that Chris Jones in the playoffs, it's going to be a problem for any opposing offense. So I'm still worried about the youth in the secondary, but I I think that this defense is better than the 2019 defense, which helped put them over the hump and get them to a Super Bowl. Rob, I saw your face when he said defensive player of the year. Can't the Nick Bosa slander, man. People act like Nick Bosa doesn't exist. (laughs) Like he is a thing. Does anyone not see 97 in red out there? What am I nuts? Justice is Bosa on the podium. Bosa's on the podium. Thank you. I put him on probably over Judon. I know Judon's got the stats, but who's a better player? Let's not be ridiculous. Yeah, he's a a better football (laughs) player than Judon. I'm not, I'm not blinking. You asked me to have one of them for one game. Um, I just want to make one more point about the Patrick Mahomes thing, right? NEA, it's A-N-Y slash A, right? So it's adjusted net yards per attempt. So what that is, is think of yards per attempt, including sacks. Um, it gives a 20-yard uh, bonus for touchdowns, a 45-yard uh, subtraction for interceptions. Okay, you guys following me so far? I know that was a lot. Patrick Mahomes ranks first all-time in NFL history in this stat, right? 8.1 adjusted net yards per attempt. Number two is Aaron Rodgers at 7.39. The difference between Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers is like the difference between Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan in terms of their career, to put that in perspective. That's how far ahead Patrick Mahomes is in terms of all these efficiency stats. I think that's really what makes the difference where – we're talking about all these teams and we're almost taking a holistic approach, right? Where we're like, yeah, but then you match them up. And then, then, you know, in this situation, you know, this team is worse than that team. Right. 
And then with the Chiefs, it's like the math does it doesn't even matter because the quarterback is just that much better than everyone else. If Patrick Mahomes gets to the conference championship game this year, it'll be the fifth straight year that the Chiefs are playing for the Super Bowl. That is like, so ridiculous. That is so freaking absurd. Five straight years, half a decade. Like there's so much weird fluky stuff that has to go your way for you to even make the conference championship game, let alone get to a Super Bowl. Stuff that's outside of your control. Guys getting injured. Guys just making bonehead plays. Somebody slips and falls down. Just weird stuff. He he just breaks all of that. It does not matter as long he's as 27. Is healthy. <laughs> that's what I was about to say. He's theoretically he's just supposed to be getting into his prime, right? right? He and now we're for... seeing quarterbacks last till they're forty years old, forty five right. years old. Imagine another 10 years, 13. How long was this contract that he signed, Steve? Was it like 13 years? It was it was 10 years, but like 10 years tacked on to like the two more years at the end of his right. rookie He's going to sign another one. That son of a... He's going <laughs> He's going to be around, man. If you root for somebody else, like just buckle up because that's the guy you're going to have to beat if you want to win the Super Bowl. Best of luck. Right. Now my day is ruined. Have a good Thanksgiving, everybody. Justice, KP, Stephen, thank you very much. Please rate, review, follow the SB Nation NFL show. Have a real turkey on Thanksgiving, unlike Kyle Post. Ribs giving! Rib. <laughs> we'll I'm see jealous. you next week. <laughs>